Good day, everyone. Does capitalism get you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Productivity porn has created a business around making you think that constantly being productive will lead to a fulfilling life. However, this mindset has created unhappy, anxious, and burnt out people. On our podcast, we aim to entertain by providing useless information just for the joy of it and giving you time in the day to stop the gears of capitalism. And if you're thinking, what's the point of this podcast? Then we invite you to be part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things. Welcome to episode 21 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Lydia, and this week, I got my first dose of vaccine against COVID-19, playing my role in the fight against the pandemic. (laughs) Yay! And I'm Courtney, and I am once again unemployed. Boo. Boo. (laughs) We're really, like, facing both sides of the pandemic here. Yeah, you're so right. Like one is on the upswing and one is just like the constant perpetual struggle that I think we've all been facing (laughs) (laughs) low-key. Oh, damn. I hope you're not for real unemployed. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's a little uncertain. A little precarious. A little little precarious, but we're... We will see. We will see. We will see. (laughs) Why don't you tell us about your vaccination experience? That's a little bit more of a positive. Okay, um, well, um, in Ontario, we were allowed to get vaccinated if you were over the age of 18, which I am. So I signed up. I waited in line for two hours while my mom did. While I was like, Mom, can you wait in line for me? And she was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so she waited. <laughs> That's and so nice of her. It was, I know, right? It was like online lineups. So she waited uh, for like two hours while wait, I had a nap. Wait, hold on. How do you line up online? <laughs> this was to register. So they didn't want everybody to go onto the website so at once so that it didn't crash. So they put us all into a virtual lineup. And there was like literally like 300,000 people in line at one point. So I totally understand why they didn't want to let all of those people in at once because the server would have crashed. I mean, Mm -hmm. if it happens to Ticketmaster, which it has before, it probably happens to, you know, the vaccine place. So, yeah. And then I got signed up and then I went to where I used to work to get vaccinated. Um, (laughs) It's where the hockey games used to happen. And I used to do lighting for hockey. So, yeah. Yeah. So I went there and I walked onto the rubber ice and I got my little vaccine and the man was very nice. And I got the big bitch Pfizer. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I feel amazing. My skin is glowing. I mean, yesterday was terrible, but <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I just had, like, I was feeling totally fine 24 mm-hmm. hours up to until the 24-hour point. Like, we yeah. were supposed to record yesterday. And Courtney had messaged me at, like, 2 o'clock and was like, hey, like, let me know how you're feeling. And, like, you know, we don't have to record today. And I was like, I feel amazing. Let's do it. Literally, like, 30 minutes later, which was at the exact 24-hour mark of me getting the vaccine, I had a headache. My ears were Aww. ringing. Like, my eyes were so dry. I was like, girl, I cannot do it today. I don't know what caused this flip-flop. And then I realized, you know vaccine the rna has been taking control of my body but now i feel (laughs) great so don't even worry about it guys like if you're gonna get the vaccine just like rest and recover for like a couple hours you'll feel fine gives you a reason to be lazy and like also feel like you're doing something important which is nice you have an excuse exactly to do nothing (laughs) you're like i'm recovering (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. so i recovered (laughs) and yeah now i feel great um 
Amazing. 65% resilient, which is fun. Love that. Love that for everyone. And now everyone in my family has the first dose. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, we're all like doing really cool stuff. And my grandma is fully vaccinated. So like it was Mother's Amazing. Day on the weekend. So like, I gave her a nice hug. Oh, <laughs> I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. So, so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And when's your second dose? August 30th. All right. Really far from now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's just the reality. Is there like a period of time that you have to wait between the two? Like what's the minimum? I think it's you know? 14 weeks minimum or 12 weeks minimum oh, or something okay, like wow. that. So it's like two months pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, I'll be getting mine like three months and a week-ish. So yeah. I guess it was just whenever August they had is three months available. from now. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not even June yet. Holy, take holy. that in. That's Although terrifying. by the time it's released, it might be June. No, I don't think. Ah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> our, our our release schedule is a confusing thing. It's <laughs> but, early May right now yeah. in our time. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. that's exciting. That's exciting. I, yeah, I'm yeah, happy for exciting. you. I, feel I like. I was. I was surprised because I always thought that the like symptoms from what i've heard people get symptoms after the second vaccine i've heard that so i was surprised that you had like adverse reaction or negative symptoms from the first i don't know what it was i don't know maybe i had some underlying like little cold or something like that Mm. i mean not that colds are real according to miss courtney here (laughs) colds are real (laughs) colds are very real you just don't get them from being cold I do. I do get them from kids. Well, it's not cold outside right now. And so your argument is therefore invalid. <laughs> it's you not winter what? anymore. It's You're May. not living Ontario life. Okay. You don't know what cold is. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so maybe I had some underlying something that like mm. really came out during it or something. Um, I don't really know. Like it just basically felt like a hangover. Um, mm. But it was over and now I feel great. And... Yeah, maybe it's like, like the Pfizer. Maybe because it's like my stronger, dad didn't feel anything you know? after his. Although my mom, she got Moderna and she felt like kind of weird for only like an hour or so mm-hmm. after 24 hours. And she said she took four vitamin C pills and felt great. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Guys, vitamin C is low key the answer to all of your problems. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> like, my parents swear by it, they take it when they're starting to feel sick sickness gone <laughs> amazing there you go guys that's the secret it is we didn't the need the vaccine really no, we just we just needed <laughs> vitamin c i love that just take your vitamins and um, you'll be fine <laughs> but like still get your vaccines everyone yes of course but yeah so take vitamin c provax vaccinate like vape nash but vaccinate yeah back yo I have such little hope for when I'm getting the vaccine. They, like, opened up registration for people over 18. Mm-hmm. But I think that was just, like, giving everyone something to do. Oh, I think it was just a distraction no. to make it seem like vaccines were going a lot faster than they actually are. Oh. Because, like, there's so many old people on Vancouver Island that they're doing vaccinations by year. So they started at, like, 90. <laughs> and then they went to 89 and then 88 that's (laughs) interesting yeah so they literally went down by years it wasn't like a huge chunk it wasn't like 80 plus and then 60 plus it was just year by year by year by year that's so So. funny courtney it's gonna be like literally six months till you get such a long time (laughs) jesus christ Uh, that's gonna be fun that little wait 
Well, I mean, this is how I see it. If I'm vaccinated and, like, everyone else is vaccinated who's around you, the chances of you also getting it is super, super, Super like, of getting the illness is super low. Exactly. So you would probably be able to live that vax life even though you're not vaxxed. Yeah. I think that's my hope. Yeah, that was kind of my hope going into it. I was like, hopefully I don't even need to get vaccinated because, like, I am a little scared, of course, Mm. (laughs) of, like, effects in the future. Like, no one knows anything about um, this vaccine. Of course, it's new. So if you don't need to get it, that could be fun, too. Fun little experiment, you know. (laughs) (laughs) See the differences. Maybe I'll live longer because I have it. Because I low-key think my skin is, like, it, like, mended itself. Like, some some of my wounds. This is... Off there you the go. Book, Here's by a the side way, of guys. <laughs> like, you you it's heal it's yourself. Just like, plumping up, like looking great. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want to age backwards, <laughs> get the Pfizer vaccine. vaccine. <laughs> okay, everyone. Now is the time in the podcast where we talk about the poll last week. First of all, thank you for listening to our first special edition episode last week of us doing a little experiment. It was a lot of fun. Um, So the questions on the Instagram, the tea, if you will, let's get into it. (laughs) Have you ever had a biphasic sleeping schedule? 73% of you said no. It's cool that 27% said yes, though. Yeah, that is kind of (laughs) cool. The next question was, are you a naps person aka do you like naps 59 percent said yes love it how is it not more I don't know. guys it's sleeping some people just can't take naps my brother is like that he takes a nap and like he's out cold for three hours and then he wakes up and he's just so tired again mm. and like it's just i think he needs he's just napping himself. yeah he's just napping he hasn't figured it out but it's sleeping uh yeah right? I don't understand why people don't like whatever to each their own. (laughs) The next question was, have you ever struggled with insomnia? 64% of you said yes. Wow. Sorry about that. That is a high number. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. (laughs) I know, right? This is an issue. It really is. That's pretty. I mean, yeah, that sucks. That really sucks, guys. Um, So this all kind of led up to the final question, which was, that a biphasic sleep schedule allows you to have a nap, be an early riser, be a night owl, and it can even help with insomnia in some cases, as we saw with Courtney, who like didn't feel like she was stressed out about sleep at all. Would you try a biphasic sleep schedule in the future? 56% yes! Yay! <laughs> we did it! 56% Woo! of you are down. Just over half. Now I do mean, it. Come on. <laughs> horizons guys try the biphasic sleep schedule like who is it hurting yeah i guess yourself if you like really <laughs> don't think you can do it but you can do I it i don't know have some fun in life you know we're gonna Mix hold you to it bit. we're checking on you i'm kidding <laughs> yeah we're gonna check up on you next week <laughs> how's the biphasic sleep going guys <laughs> uh thank you so much for participating uh we will be back at it again next week with another poll and I can't wait to see you guys on the Instagram at very.unimportant.table. See you there on Tuesday slash Wednesday. Enjoy the Bye. rest of the podcast. Bye. Bye. Love you. <clears throat> All right. Anyways, okay. We can get into the podcast. Yeah, let's podcast. Okay, guys. So it's early morning, first of all, for Courtney. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's currently eight o'clock in the morning for me. And we started yeah. half an hour ago. So yeah, yep. it's a little yep. early. 
Yeah. It's 11 o'clock for me, which is early for me because I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> just wanted to let that in. And normally we record in the evenings. So mm. I don't know like what that means. I feel like energy levels in the evenings, well, you record in the afternoons, but I feel like energy levels then, like you've had the whole day. Maybe yeah. energy levels now are like different or maybe they are the same since maybe you're tired by the end of the day, which we're also like tired now. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Just <laughs> so, a fair yeah, warning. Just... If energy is low, everyone, bear with us. <laughs> Although I think it'll be okay. Even our low energy podcasts are fire. So don't feel like you're missing out on anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week, I want to share a conspiracy theory with you guys. Um <clears throat> excuse me, which I do I kind of subscribe to, to be completely honest. After doing most of this research, I was like, there is a really, really big chance that this is true. Mm-hmm. The conspiracy is that William Shakespeare, renowned playwright, does not exist. And William Shakespeare, the name is actually an actor and he was illiterate and he did not know how to write almost at all. And the person who actually wrote like 200 whatever 300 of the works was this man named sir francis bacon that is the theory so there are a couple of other theories as to who wrote all of shakespeare's work Mm -hmm. um and like the the most recent one is this guy named edward de vere who's the 17th earl of oxford and he has one similar life event to something that happened in one of the plays and that's pretty much people's like full-on evidence that (laughs) that he wrote it this (laughs) is like that's all we need yeah yeah and everything else in that theory is the same as the sir francis bacon theory Mm. um so i mean i decided to subscribe to the sir francis bacon theory one because it was the one that was believed for the longest and it has the coolest lore so (laughs) i'm just going with that so um, this theory is also called the anti-Stratfordian theory, which just basically means that you deny that William Shakespeare, the actor, was literate and knew how to like write these kinds mm-hmm. of crazy plays. Um, his father was a glover, a man who makes gloves. And back in the 15, late 15, early 1600s, um, mm-hmm. people weren't literate just like because that's just how the education system yeah. was, especially in London. They didn't really have a focused language and they kind of focused on trades and that kind of stuff. People didn't go to high school. I don't even know if high school existed. And only a few people went to university and mm-hmm. became super rich. And it was a part people who were in higher classes. Yeah. Um, and Shakespeare was like the real actor. Shakespeare mm-hmm. was a lower class man. And I, he, yeah. Do they have like proof that... Shakespeare was an actor like what's where did the like actor part of the theory come from do you know so I think um they had what are those called pamphlets when you go into the theater which tell you who the actors are and who's on stage Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so I'm pretty sure that's how they knew that he was an actor just based on those pieces of writing okay um but the pieces of writing are very like very difficult to come by like one of the Mm -hmm. critics critiques to this theory is um like one of the proofs is that he there's no record of him going to school or something like that and everyone's like well there's no record of anyone going to school because in that Mm. specific school no one kept records or something like that because this was in the early days of the printing press so it was difficult for people to just keep records of random shit like who went to school and stuff like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but Based on a lot of evidence, um, he actually didn't even really know how to hold a pen very well. There's a few 
there's eight copies of his signature in various times in his life and it looks like it's it's like scrawling he spelt his name wrong he spelt william shakespeare wrong (laughs) eight different times Oh no. <laughs> Which I you as we all know your name is one of the first things you learn how to write so mm. sketchy. Um and I'm going to be the, honest though when I'm like signing my name it is just like a C and then a bunch of scribbles. If somebody <laughs> read it they might just be like those letters know. aren't in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> right, but I feel like our signatures like I totally get you like mm-hmm. I also don't like writing in cursive like they used to back in the day. Um but his not, but your writing is probably much more controlled and it looks like it has direction on the paper and it looks practiced mm-hmm. and his didn't it was very much scrawly it had it looked like if you were trying to learn how to do cursive and it was just random and you had no gotcha. knowledge of how to write cursive so it looked like he maybe had the letters in front of him or someone was guiding his hand and trying to get him to like make the cursive and he probably didn't even really know how to hold the pencil properly and it's just like weird scrawling in random places <laughs> weird curves it's not even on one straight line like there's a lot of like discrepancies between how people actually write and wrote mm-hmm. and his kind of knowledge so that's one of the first hard pieces of evidence that he probably didn't (laughs) write these amazing pieces of work which honestly this was this was like one of the last ones I heard and it was like the most damning one for me so I just wanted to start off strong with you guys (laughs) (laughs) because like I don't think like it's a thing okay so Sir Francis Bacon let's get into the dude who actually possibly most likely did write all of Shakespeare's work he was a part of these um this two societies, two secret societies of knowledge called the Freemason Society and the Rosicrucian Society. And I think he was the founder of the Freemasons. And basically, they were kind of similar. I don't want to get into this too much because I don't have a lot of knowledge. You guys can look this up yourselves. But basically, it was this belief in a higher power, which endowed special knowledge onto you. And it shows itself through different ciphers and code and it tells you about the past so that you can relay that information onto the future and a lot of noblemen were seen as being a part of these secret societies um and he uh, was a part of it so that was and he was a lawyer apparently too and um his whole Um, kind of drive for why he wrote all of these works Mm -hmm. is that he got a vision in his dreams from Athena. Sup, girl? Ooh, Um, And she said, (laughs) yeah, right? She's back. And she pretty much told him that he needed to make London strong. And to do that, he needed to help establish a common language. And in his mind, the only way that could be possible to do that is to entertain people. Because at the time, a lot of people weren't interested in learning through lawyer work, which is what he did. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was like, okay, I need to entertain people. And I need to help them kind of learn that. And something interesting, too, is at the beginning of Sir uh, Francis Bacon's life, London had like four different languages and it wasn't centralized. And by the end of his life, they had one language. So it worked. And you know what? <laughs> this kind of backs up your theory about the like elbow thing. You know how like last week we were like, why yeah. would he invent words? That doesn't make any sense. But it kind of makes sense if he was trying to unify people and like teach people and educate people. If yeah. he was like teaching people new words or like... Being like, all of these languages have a different word for elbow. I'm going to make one. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And he, he was a very educated man. Um, he knew a lot of, he, he was friends with like a physiologist or something like that. So that's probably how he also came up with elbow. Oh, Um, (laughs) there you go. It makes sense now. Right. And there was also new knowledge about the circulatory system that came out during this time. And it was referenced in one of Shakespeare's plays. And Again, like, there's just no way that William Shakespeare, the actor who couldn't really read, possibly, mm-hmm. and wasn't very well educated, had access to this knowledge. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, uh, hold on. Let me just see where I'm, where I'm at with these notes. Okay, so basically, once um, Sir Francis Bacon got these messages from Athena slash I mean I think it was kind of his conscious too maybe mm-hmm. being like this is your calling and he just kind of turned it into this Athena thing because that was something that happened to geniuses in quotes back in the day they would get like a heavenly message this has happened to a couple people and then they would fulfill their life's purpose so I think he was kind of following that narrative of people so that he could feel legit in fulfilling yeah. his life his life's purpose you know like you like we say you have a lot of power but you have to rely on something else to help you get your power <laughs> um <laughs> so so uh, the the theory is that he was he figured out that he could do it through entertainment and through theater. So he went to the theater and Shakespeare was an actor who was always hanging around the theater. And it was easy for Sir Francis Bacon to spot him and be like, you have a cool name. <laughs> um, can <laughs> I catchy. use your name? Yeah, right. Can I use your name as like. Why as wouldn't he it- want to publish it under his own name? I think it was because he was currently doing other works that wouldn't... He was involved with the Queen, and there was some work that he was doing that was just, like, heavily, like, just very high-class stuff. So Mm -hmm. I think that his idea was to appeal to the lower class. He needed to create a pseudonym and create a new identity as someone who could relate to the lower class people which was perfect because like the actor like was the lower class person Mm -hmm. so he needed that and i think i think it could be seen as treason if you're like teaching these secrets because like books used to be secret and if you're teaching these things to people who Mm. shouldn't have this knowledge then he could be like sued or fined or something like that or maybe even put to death i don't know so there was a little bit of like a higher being as the queen and also he was a lawyer so maybe the writing like wouldn't translate very well and people would be like why would a lawyer write plays blah 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 blah. which he actually didn't write plays he had mysteriously he had um a team of writers who were assigned to him and he employed poets and playwrights and everyone was like who cares (laughs) but he had a team of writers okay so so shakespeare's work he yep. didn't so sir william no sir what's francis his name sir francis bacon. bacon yeah didn't write it he hired people to write it he's like the mind behind it but then he, he hired the a mind bunch of people it? to write all of this books yes and because plays. of the amount of writing and the amount of like poems and writing and stuff that Shakespeare had created while being a lawyer and having to deal with like litigations and like mm-hmm. a bunch of other paperwork and a bunch of his other writings mm-hmm. it is theorized that it was impossible for him to actually write this many plays and that's why he had other people in his employ which he would tell his ideas to and they would kind of create a play and they would come back to him and be like what do you think of this copy and he would kind of be like no that's shit like cross this out cross this out mm-hmm. like turn this into a new thing and like just like change it around a bunch of times 
mm-hmm, cool right mm-hmm. and he had a very and like the, the plays have a really deep deep knowledge of the court social mm-hmm. class systems and italian courts which as you know this is in london so <laughs> how could anyone have really known about what's going on in italian courts and stuff and there was also no heirs to court proceedings so this is why it's believed that he was an attorney or someone who a very high class who knew everything there is to know about these courts court proceedings mm. and francis bacon actually left clues about the truth in the text oh. in the actual plays um so there's this part of the societies of either the rosicrucians or the freemason society where they believe in ciphers and codes that you can hide within text um so i know cool right (laughs) so there was this one cipher in his um hold on let me find it Hmm. i I don't remember what okay whatever i don't remember what the play was called (laughs) (laughs) But the cipher was from, okay, found it, in Love's Labor Lost. And the cipher read, like if you rearrange the letters, it said, these plays, the offspring of F. Bacon, are preserved for the world. Cool, right? <laughs> what is it like unscript? Like- it's Latin. Um, it's it's. Oh. I can try to read it for you if you want. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. So there was just like a Latin phrase in the play. Yeah. Which is a cipher. Okay. Yeah. Cool, right? That is um, cool. Also, after um, Shakespeare's death, there was some monuments made of him. Mm-hmm. And this man, Thomas Bokenham, had a cipher book. So he, like, published this book on ciphers. And he was curious about, like, a couple of the monuments that were around. And he would read these and try to, like, take out... Um, some of the words so some of the monument plaques had spelling errors in them like for example towers was spelt with an apostrophe in the middle of it or the word rake has been turned into the word wreck or fabric was spelt with a k or something like that and these all aligned into saying um like either like francis bacon or f bacon or some wow. sort of thing that says like these manuscripts are Francis Bacon or manuscripts Francis Bacon like this kind of stuff F Bacon type of things in the actual monuments. And why would he spell them wrong? He's a he's a nobleman. <laughs> um, there's also a monument in Shakespeare's hometown Stratford, um, mm-hmm. where he is looking. It's like a really silly monument. He's looking into the distance with a quill in his hand and writing on a piece of paper and mm-hmm. the piece of paper is blank <laughs> it could just be they were lazy or it could be that they were trying to send a secret message which mm. was saying that he actually didn't write shit <laughs> <laughs> it was all someone else with these with this idea to modernize the language and to like help it become a common language to help london become super super strong um Another piece of evidence or a piece mm-hmm. or clue that he left behind was some of the artistic stamps that were printed onto the scripts had shaded in A's. And the theory, the connection here is that if you press a pig's snout into the earth, it makes an A shape. And cryptogram studies believe that this is Sir Francis Bacon's cipher. <laughs> if it Another- is, that's amazing. That is- I know, 
right? So creative. Smart. <laughs> Another theory suggests that the A is a Rosicrucian symbol for Athena. Read the dream that mm-hmm. he had with Athena. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also drawings in the original manuscripts of the play that symbolized his allegiance with these secret societies, such as grapes and roses and crosses. Like the Rosicrucian is kind of like a rose cross okay. symbolism or whatever. Um, so they believed that like it would be passed on like through ciphers and enigmas. Other people would be able to figure out these clues. Mm-hmm. And another piece of evidence mm-hmm. that there is no portraits of Shakespeare in existence. Any picture of Shakespeare has been dubbed to be incorrect. Um, there was one that was labeled originally as William Shakespeare and then mm-hmm. later changed to portrait of an unknown man eerie (laughs) um there's another portrait kind of like a famous one of him and it is said that the face looks like there's a line being drawn from the ear to the chin which looks like it might be a mask and it looks like the body cool right and it looks like the body is turned backwards and it's not the front of this and it looks like the head is being balanced on like a piece of collar or something like that it is kind of i know i I was getting like the chills when i was looking at this it's like chills at 10 o'clock in the morning (laughs) (laughs) it it is a little creepy but yeah so it looks like the head like isn't attached which kind of symbolizes to the fact that it might be a mask either on the back of somebody's body or they just were not good painters and it's just a mask on someone's front of their face (laughs) um and um, here, when when William Shakespeare died, he left his will, um, which was to his wife, and I think he had three kids. Mm-hmm. He said nothing about the plays and the poems, which are supposedly his <laughs> life's work and the most valuable things that he owned. Yeah. Yet his will was extremely extensive. His most valuable possession was stated as a bowl made out of like a special type of rock. He left his second best bed to his wife. <laughs> Who got the first best bed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. I, also very rude. Yeah, like seriously, bro. <laughs> um, and during his life, he was in debt to random people and like random loners. He was sued once for not repaying his loan on time, which... To me, this didn't really make sense because I thought that if you were making these plays that you would be making some of the money off it. But also, like, I don't know how copyright worked back then. So maybe he was making Mm. no money and it was just going to the theater. I'm not 100% sure. Um, But it's weird that in his will, like, he didn't even mention anything about his work, especially since there was 17 pieces published after his death. Crazy. Fishy. Right? Um, seven years after William Shakespeare, the actor's death, his friends made a folio of his work, and in it they quoted Shakespeare to be a Ros- Rosicrucian's mask and a phantom Captain Shakespeare. Okay. So did um, Bacon and Shakespeare have an agreement then? Like Shakespeare... Was like, yeah, you can use my name and I'll pretend to write them. It seems like they did, yes. Um, I'm not 100% clear on that one because mm-hmm. Shakespeare also didn't get any of the leading roles in <laughs> in his own plays. 
<laughs> um, so I feel like if he had an agreement with Sir Francis Bacon that he mm-hmm. would be like, oh, I also want to get good roles in these plays so that I could become a better actor. Um, so I don't know if but they stole the name. Pardon me? If he was supposed to be like writing the plays, it might look weird if he also got the lead roles in them. Yeah. You know? Maybe, but Lin-Manuel well, Miranda yeah, did it. Yeah, nobody... <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> nobody batted an eyelid. Yeah, for sure. You deserve this. Like, I feel like Shakespeare deserved it, too. I don't know. Because, <laughs> uh, like, it it loses me a little bit that, like, none of his friends or family or anything thought it was fishy that he just started writing plays. They were like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. He's never written in his life, but it makes sense that he wrote. Mm, yeah, like, I guess he must plays. have had some sort of agreement then. Or mm. they didn't know that he was writing these plays because they mm-hmm. maybe like they were, uh, I don't know, because he would have. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe he didn't know how to even read his own name. So when he got a new script, he mm-hmm. didn't even realize that it was by him, possibly. There must have been an agreement, though, because if people have like records of his signature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Was the signature on stuff related to the books? Um, I th- one of them or two of them was yeah. So okay, you're so right. there, there must, must have been, been an agreement. agreement. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. But it's like so awkward. Like you sign it and you spell your name wrong. Like bro, whoops. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Maybe Bacon signed it. He was like, how? How do you yeah. spell it? <laughs> Maybe Bacon had no idea. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's um kind of the theory there. Um. One more interesting little tidbit I'll leave you off with is that Shakespeare's body has been buried in London somewhere. <laughs> and people have kind of been like, oh, I wonder whose body is buried there because, you know, who's the real Shakespeare? Was it Francis mm-hmm. Bacon's body that was buried there as like a symbol or was it actually Shakespeare's body? Because then that means that he may have not even done any of his work. But conveniently... There is a curse placed on the body that if you dig up the bones, you will get, like, terrible fate. So. (laughs) How has, like, no one... There's definitely people out there who, like, are down with curses. That's what I thought, too. Like, ghost hunters love that. People are... Right? I would have thought... If I was in, like, the last year of my life, <laughs> yeah. I would be like, I will do it for you guys. I will yeah. solve this mystery. Like, I only I'll have another year left to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It kind of leads me to believe that maybe someone's still in cahoots and still doesn't want people to know who the real Shakespeare was. Or Ooh. maybe there's no body there. Maybe there's no bones. And people just go and just visit empty graves, like you were talking about with the Vatican. With the Vatican, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sus. Huh. Sus. And if it wasn't Francis Bacon, then it was probably one of the other, like, three people who mm-hmm. they think <laughs> wrote the plays. Or I like to think that they all had kind of an alliance and they all wrote them together. <laughs> Here's, like, my other question, though, is that like, I feel like it's entirely possible that there was more than one person with the name William Shakespeare. Yeah, probably. So, like, maybe this actor didn't even know. Like, maybe William Shakespeare is just a completely fictional person. Maybe, yeah. That's and they definitely just, like, possible. use that name. Mm-hmm. And he just, yeah. And, like, um, what's his name? Sir Francis Bacon just kind of came up with it. Mm-hmm. That's another... Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I saw, like, a quick theory about how... Athena wore like a helmet or whatever the reflective helmet from the Medusa story Mm -hmm. and they said that that was 
a some sort of like relation to wearing a mask and it was his like sign to wear a mask and not be himself so he created like this kind of alternate person and then they kind of stretch a little bit and say like that the a's in the cipher are athena shaking a spear at apollo (laughs) that's that's a lot (laughs) yeah i was like "Mm, that's too convenient i'm gonna leave that that out but now you guys heard it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's entirely possible that he just made it up and was like i'm just another william shakespeare and maybe we've just decided to pin it on this one guy Mm. But he wasn't even involved. <laughs> that leads to the theory that maybe there's like a rich William Shakespeare who actually did write all the plays, though. So, <laughs> but we, we would know. We would know about him. We do know about him. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I resent that theory. It is a man, <laughs> and it is a other man, Francis Bacon. Why is why is Shakespeare so famous? so popular do you know i feel like this is like another mona lisa thing for me like i understand that the plays are are decent plays yeah but i think it's just because of his ability to like why does everyone have to read them in high school oh i I don't get like why he's that famous like why i guess everyone because it was like the common language that people first have known so it's like historic also if Bacon wanted to establish a language in London. Why did he choose such a confusing one? Like, I can't. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't point. think ever in high school I was able to understand Shakespeare. Like, I think I always use, like, the yeah. Speak Now version where they just directly no translate it. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah I used I those, too. did not get it. So I don't know. That's just how they spoke things? back in the day. You... Even the Declaration of Independence is written in like this weird English, old English. I always thought that that was just the way that things were written and that's not actually how people spoke. I've heard that too. Um, but I don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> like, why do you, then how do you pass on the common language if you're like, mm. thou art a fair rose, sweet and bitter at the same time. <laughs> Like, I feel like why did it have to be like that? that? Then how did people decide to just say, yo, you're, you're pretty. Cute. You, you <laughs> cute girl. <laughs> yeah. How did they get that from that? I don't know. From A to B. Maybe the theory was to teach people like really hard English so that <laughs> really they advanced. can do really easy English or something. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Also, what were the four other languages in London? Um, Greek, Latin. Oh, cool. Um, and I don't know what the other ones were. Huh. But Sir Francis Bacon spoke three of them. Was one of them English, maybe? And he just chose one? Yeah, I think so. Most likely. I don't think he created English. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> just created Yeah, English. just says Greek, Latin, and English. <laughs> <laughs> He created words for sure, but English. Maybe he didn't even create words. They were just like words that already existed only in the upper class society. Mm. And then he just like passed them down. Maybe. Maybe. He also created the word undress. Ooh, scandalous. Scandalous. <laughs> How did people used to say it? Like, 
take your clothes off? Oh yeah, possibly. <laughs> reverse reverse dress. Reverse dress. D dress. D dress yourself. D dress. Possibly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Like where would we be without words? Anyways, it's, yeah, yeah, so it's an interesting theory. <laughs> it is. Like, at the end of the day, I don't know how much, like, it really matters who Shakespeare was, you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if it was this person or if it was a group of people or, like, the plays are still the They're same. They're still good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they still did what they did and disseminated language and knowledge and all of that. Like, I don't yeah. know... I don't know if it fully matters if it was Shakespeare or Bacon. Yeah, or just other. Unless Bacon people. really wants that clout, I think he might. Maybe he just wants it. Like I love his so secret many societies. Clues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe just within those things, he's like, mm. I want them to know that, like, I am the real Shakespeare, so that he can get clout within the secret societies or Maybe. something like that. Because I get, I think they need something to do. But like, don't I- you think somebody <laughs> would have like said something by now? It's been how many years? Like a couple hundred people years. People are saying and... things. What do you mean? I have all Are they people evidence. from the secret society? Has anyone been like... Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah, so... I'm from There's the like a couple authors who actually believe this too. Walt Whitman believes it. Oral Ors Wells, the guy who wrote that book that we read in high school. Orson Wells, that's what his name is. Freud also believed it, if that gives any credit. <laughs> I don't know if it does. <laughs> Uh, um, a couple other ones that I don't remember. Interesting. Yeah, some some other authors, but I don't know any of them really, except for the ones that I named. So, I mean, I'll tell you guys: Percy Allen, Bernard M. Ward, Louis P. Benezet, and Charles Windsor Barrel, mm, and Marjorie Windsor. Brown. Windsor's the royal last name. Is he a royal? There's no D in it. It's Win... Wis- oh, sorry. It's Wisner. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. My bad. <laughs> huh. Ugh, dead. Okay, Anyways, yeah. we good can opinion. move on. Good opinion. It gave me a Yay. lot to think about. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks, still... everyone, for listening. Shakes. Next week. Beer. Shakes. The real question is... Is Eminem? <laughs> is he a direct descendant? <laughs> Guys, stay tuned uh, for next episode. Oh my god! When we, we find out that Eminem, Eminem is really Shakespeare, I bet there <laughs> is really evidence. been Shakespeare all along. I can definitely find it. It'll be like the Socratic rhythm, evident in Eminem's writing. Is Shakespeare giving us clues that he is living on through Eminem? Mm-hmm. This time as a rap influence, since plays are a thing of the past. Yes. Yes. And there is possibly no body in the grave because he's immortal. It is Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> he faked his death. All right, everybody. Welcome to the second half of the podcast. 
Um, I'm going to be talking about my opinion this week. And I can't believe that we haven't covered this opinion yet. This is like the most <laughs> classic of all opinions. Right? It's and such a good one. It's just like the age-old debate of mm. dogs versus cats. In my opinion, and much of science's opinion, <laughs> is that yeah. cats are in fact the superior animal and pet. Oh, and that's let's what I go. will be arguing. Now, before we get into this, I know that I have two cats, which makes me kind of biased, but I only recently became a cat person. Like my whole life, I grew up mm-hmm. with dogs and never had a cat. So I like to think that like I have a good balanced perspective because I yeah. have owned both animals and I've actually owned dogs for longer than I have owned cats. Oh, and true. I still think cats are better. I still oh. love both. I love both. I still want a dog. But if I had to choose, if I could only have one, it would be a cat mm-hmm. and not a dog. Um, I'm and a cat so, person. Yeah. I've never had a dog, though. Hell yeah. It's fine. It's fine. You started, you started at the top. I did. I did. It doesn't get much better. So. Okay. <laughs> um, so my first point is that, like, they domesticated themselves. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. And it also means that cats, like, chose to be with humans. Whereas dogs were, like, domesticated by humans. So humans just literally, like, bred them to be a human companion. Whereas cats made the decision to be a human companion. That's Out of love and not forced. Um, Ooh, tea. Tea. A lot of people think that cats were domesticated by the ancient Egyptians because yes, they really I loved heard cats. That too. But in fact, this is wrong. Oh. So while excavating a grave on Cyprus Island, they found the remains of a man who was buried with his cat. Oh my God. And it dates back to 9,000 years ago, which was actually before the ancient Egyptians. Cool. So people had cats before that. Um, And this is the oldest evidence that they found of human and cat companionship in the world. (laughs) They probably loved each other so much. And so basically, like, the theory of how they were domesticated was that they started, like, staying close to human dwellings for, like, a couple thousands of years because humans would, like, throw scraps and stuff like that and they'd eat the scraps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then humans started noticing that they were really good at catching pests. At, like catching like yeah. mice and rats nice. and all that so they started enticing them to stay by like feeding the cats oh, love and that. then through this they kind of form like a symbiotic relationship where the mm-hmm. cats would like catch the mice for the humans and the humans would feed the cats and like that's how humans and cats built a relationship and that's not so much cute. has changed since then through food yeah literally <laughs> through food yeah <laughs> um but it's kind of cool because like so the domestic dog um, holds, like, very few genetic similarities to the wild wolf or dog. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at, like, a French bulldog and you look at a wolf, like, <laughs> things have changed. Very different, yeah. But um, cats actually have very few genetic differences from wild cats. Like, they're pretty much still the same. Like, feral cats? Or do you no, mean, cats, like, the lynx? Like, domestic house cat. Still shares um its genetic similarities with they don't they didn't come from like 
big wildcats. They came yeah. from wildcats in Asia and Africa. They still exist today, but they're like smaller wildcats. They're okay. not like tigers and lions and stuff yeah. like that. Um, they look a lot like the domestic house cat. And it's only within the last like a thousand years, I think it is, that we've started breeding for different like coat colorings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's really the only difference that we've made to cat's genetic makeup. Wow, cool. Isn't that really cool? Whoa, that's awesome. Um, And then, so we all know that the Egyptians were obsessed with their cats. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Egypt, they found remains of two cats and four kittens. And one of the um, kittens or cats that they found had healed fractures, which implied that the Egyptians had, like, cared for them and healed them. Oh, my God. And that's That's kind of where they get the evidence from that not only did the Egyptians, like kind of worship cats but that they were like pets and companions to the egyptians as well i think they thought that they were their gods or something like that i don't blame them they're pretty yeah i I think a lot of the old egyptian statues too would depict Mm -hmm. cat bodies or faces yeah like the big like photos or whatever it is yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then the egyptians eventually brought cats to the ancient romans and then kind of took off from there and people started having cats they used to be like big like sailing companionships uh, so sailing they would, yeah they would like sail on boats with them oh um so polydactyl cats which are cats that have like too many toes which mm-hmm. one of my cats is a polydactyl cat yeah. she has way too many toes um were actually believed to be like good luck by sailors so that's, that's how so they cool. came to north america they're really popular in europe mm-hmm. um but people started bringing them on ships, and that's how they got to North America because they, they thought they, they were, were good, good luck. luck. That's yeah. so sweet. And the cats were like, "All right, you'll do. I want to stay with you." <laughs> that's so precious. You know. Like you really don't have to force a cat to stay with you. It's so true. Um, and there's about six hundred thousand million cats in the world today. Whoa! Just a quick <laughs> number for you there. That's a lot. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my god, um, how many dogs are there in comparison? I have no idea. Okay, well, I okay. don't like into that. <laughs> and then there's this, like, really cute quote that I found by this guy named William Burroughs. I don't know who he is or why he's important, but <laughs> the quote is, um, the cat does not offer services, it offers itself. You know how, like, people oh! domesticated dogs to, like, hunt, do chores, send, hunt, protect. Smell. Yeah, yeah. To have jobs. Cats were really, like, sure they killed mice, but the primary reason... <gasps> that cats are around it's just literally for companionship they're the true companion they're the they true really best are. friend they like really people are. are like your dog is your best friend but like is it your dog wants to constantly run away from you yeah <laughs> and you it doesn't to... choose to be with you like it's genetically programmed to do that it's not actively making wow. a choice and That's the latest crazy evidence actually shows that cats are only partially or semi-domesticated. They're not actually fully domesticated. What does um, it mean exactly to be? So to be domesticated means that um, there's a certain reliance on humans mm-hmm. for mm. survival. I see. And through dogs' domestication, they've actually lost a lot of their like hunting skills and agility and speed and senses. Yes. Because yes. we've bred them just to like hang out with us mm-hmm. but cats haven't lost any of it and if you lose your cat your cat can survive by itself no yeah. problem the only Facts. threat to the cat is really like cars and yeah. stuff like that and but coyotes your, 
your cat's fine. It can survive by itself. It hasn't lost any of its skills. So true. Um, That's really cool. Your cat, I mean, your dog is basically your prisoner, like, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, dogs were likely domesticated in similar ways from cats. Like, they um, started hanging out around human settlements and then they started training them or like keeping them around um but dogs were very purposely as we said domesticated for doing useful tasks Mm -hmm. whereas we never really asked anything of cats we just kind of wanted to build a relationship with cats we never like yeah we were just like a cute thing oh (laughs) and the cat was like big clumsy cat they're so cute need to be warm i know i love them so much (laughs) Um, and, like, the genetic lines between cats and wild cats are so blurred that they actually frequently breed with each other still. Oh. So in places in the world where wild cats live, um, domestic That's cats and feral cool. cats still yeah. breed with the wild cats because they're oh. pretty much the same thing still. What? They haven't really changed. Wow. Um, which actually continues to perpetuate the fact that cats are genetically very similar to wild cats. Mm-hmm. Because we just, really cool. just keep, like reinvigorate reinvigorating the gene pool wow that's crazy if our cats are already so close to being wild cats then why are Mm -hmm. we adding in like wild cat genetics like the bengal cat like you've seen like all the genetic Mm -hmm. mutations that like you can do to them like the bengal the savannah well like breeding breeding house cats is a very recent thing oh okay yeah that's true so i think it's just become like an industry that people definitely think it's cool to to do i guess i don't know if there's like a rhyme or reason to it Mm -hmm. but yeah the bengal cats do look very similar to the original cat which i highly recommend you look up they're so adorable they're like forest cats in africa they're so yeah a lot of people usually think that dogs are smarter because they respond to commands oh yes. um but this is actually wrong Ah. Dogs are actually not smarter. So cats' brains contain over th- 300 million neurons, mm-hmm. where a dog's only has 160. Burn. Burn, Burn. dog people. Burn. And... <laughs> they may be bigger, but their brains be smaller. <laughs> um, dogs were also domesticated at least 20,000 years before cats. So they've had a lot longer to um, like be domesticated and change mm-hmm to learn more commands whereas cats have only really been domesticated for like nine thousand years versus forty thousand years wow so that could be another reason why people think dogs are smarter because they're a little bit more accustomed to living with humans yeah yeah they follow your orders quicker so dogs will learn to like listen to humans and respond to our commands but cats have learned how to deceive humans (laughs) which i (laughs) love okay so that's the true superior being (laughs) cats can make over a hundred different sounds but they have developed their meow specifically to mimic the cry of a human baby to emotionally manipulate us (laughs) no way yeah because it makes it harder for us to ignore their cries when it sounds like a human baby and they can make over a hundred different sounds but they choose that meow (laughs) they choose to manipulate us dang these cats are geniuses low-key they'd be smart they'd be hella crazy oh my god they figured out that if they hang out with us we give them a meal and they don't have to hunt and they're like sick oh my god sounds good bro (laughs) and they just hang out they just hang out 
and they try to talk to us. Dogs, I don't know if they try to talk to people. Maybe huskies are like, yeah, yeah, huskies kind of do. Yeah. But it's not to emotionally manipulate you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, And cats, owning a cat reduces your chance of having a heart attack by 40%. What? Isn't that wild? 40%. What? Yeah. How? That's so cool. Just because they're like, I guess, stress relieving. Yeah. And there's a lot of arguments about how like dogs reduce your chance of some like health risks and stuff like that. But that's mostly attributed to the fact that you have to like walk them and be active. Yes. Yes. But that doesn't exist with cats. With cats, it's just purely based on oh. the companionship aspect. And purely that based itself... on the war- on the rose quartz in their pineal no, gland. Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that is like not part of my list at all. I just like to say. <laughs> no, it's just based on the companionship with the kitty. Yeah. I love my companion. Um they don't take up much space. They're yep. more affordable. They're less maintenance mm-hmm. and work and more independent. Mm-hmm. They're self-cleaning. You never have to give a cat a bath. So true. Dogs smell so yeah, bad do. and you have Dogs to bathe them. Bad. But cats are so clean. Mm-hmm. So clean. And this is like, you get all of these things for the same or more love. It's not like you have to sacrifice yeah. the amount of love that you get when you have a cat. It's not at all the case. Yeah. They're just cheaper, less work, less maintenance, same amount of love. Yeah. Aww. And they don't, they're not surviving on Stockholm Syndrome in order to love you. <laughs> they just love you yeah, because okay. they love you. <laughs> <laughs> My next point is that cats form close and affectionate bonds with their humans, but research shows that they don't actually need you to feel safe and secure. Unlike really? a dog. So, like, when oh. dogs get scared of, like, fireworks or something like that, they'll go to their human. Mm-hmm. Whereas when cats hear that, they kind of deal with it on their own. Yeah, so like that under means a desk or something. Hmm. that when cats come to you, they're coming to you based on, like, a need for love and affection and to feel the bond. Aww. Not just because they're, like, scared of something or need to rely on you for something. Yeah, yeah. It's just because, like, they want a they like reminder. hanging out with you. Yeah. They're like, this is scary. I want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> and research also shows that cats prefer human interaction over food more than dogs do. Really? That brings me a lot of joy because sometimes i feel like my cat only loves me because i give her <laughs> treats but no <laughs> no they know. did this like study where they i think gave both cats and dogs the option to eat food or hang out with a human where they i guess they would put food down and put their human down and kind of oh, see okay. which one they went to i think was the study interesting and pretty much like all the dogs just went to the food but cats yeah. went to humans Oh my god, that's so precious. I love that. Oh, that makes me feel so secure in my relationship with my cat. Oh my god. So cute. Literally so cute. And cats are like kind and quiet and they're not overwhelming or in your face. Like when you're feeling like sad or anxious, cats will just quietly come and like lie on your chest and give you some purrs. And like it's a very like quiet love. Yeah. Whereas dogs can be really overwhelming. Dogs are so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've never I owned one, but, like, all the dogs that I've had to sometimes. be encountered with are, like, very annoying. And, like, mm. it's I feel bad because it's to the point where I just, like, don't really want to interact with the dog anymore. Because <laughs> I'm like, that's enough. And then it's like, the dog likes someone else more than they like me because I don't mm. want to interact with it. 
Whereas I feel like that's not always the case with cats. Like, I feel like if you don't want to interact with your cat, like, that's totally fine. And they'll mm-hmm. still love you the same. And yeah. they don't, like, maybe they do choose and favorites. they don't but overwhelm they still... you. Yeah. That's the big thing time. with dogs. It's like, dogs are Constant. great if you're coming in with the same energy that, like, really 10 <laughs> out of 10 up here yeah. energy. But if you're coming in any lower than that, it can be a lot to handle. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I dog sit. Mm-hmm. you know a couple times a week and i normally come back from that feeling a little exhausted yeah and like i'm like thank god i come home exhausted. to my cats oh my god that aren't yeah. like trying to get at my face every yeah constantly trying to like lick your and, face like, and they're like and... yeah and they're so strong it's kind of scary like you can just hold my cat like a little baby and she's yeah. there <laughs> so nice <laughs> that's so cute oh, something soft and warm to pet mm-hmm And then kind of like my last all-encompassing point is that cats require respect and mutual love, whereas dogs are more just like subordinate and will blindly love anyone. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And there's a lot of studies showing that cats might actually be like better pets than dogs for children because of this fact, because dogs don't really teach children anything about relationships. Like you can mistreat your dog and it'll still come back for love yeah and be aggressive with it still come back for love you can rough house with it anything mm-hmm. but a cat you have to learn about like consent and boundaries and respect mm-hmm. in order for your cat to actually show you the same so it teaches people more about like reciprocal relationships that's so cute oh my god and like earning the love of a cat is so satisfying it is it feels so good it feels so special yeah exactly like you actually have to put in a little bit of effort to it like dogs will just blindly love you which is great but and you have to be able to read your cat's mood too like this happened Mm -hmm. to me when i met your cat salem and i was like i came in at like 110 energy i was like you're so cute and i tried to (laughs) hug her and pet her and lift her and like she didn't like me Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's like i was just excited to see courtney again and stuff but that's besides the point um it was like if you come in with that with like a dog the dog's gonna be like yeah awesome this is amazing Mm -hmm. but like with a cat you need to learn what they require and like you need to be able to read their emotions and figure out if like this is a good pet or if this is a bad pet or like if you don't want to be pet right now at all like it's more of like a healthy relationship i think it's models more of what a healthy relationship should look like whereas with dogs it's a little bit more of like an abusive relationship i want to say it's a little bit bit stockholm syndrome like (laughs) we literally bred them just to serve us yeah like you can pretty much do anything to a dog Mm. a dog that's well trained there are some like aggressive dogs and stuff like that but like Mm. generally you can do pretty much anything to a dog and they'll still come back for love yeah yeah whereas cats will not if you mistreat a cat they're like bye i don't need you see you never true (laughs) this is kind of giving me like a bad look over dog owners in general because it's like okay so you just want to do that you just want to like control something in your Mm. life like you just feel like you need to have i mean there's this whole over being about how i don't know if you've seen it on tiktok but i've seen it come up a lot on my news feed about people who don't like cats it might just be because, like, you don't like the fact that you can just dominate something into loving you. Yeah, bro. <gasps> mm. So I don't Guys. think it's necessarily painting dog owners bad. I think it's painting, like, people who hate cats badly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because it's, like, you obviously don't have 
respect for yeah you don't understand Mm -hmm. how like a respectful yeah how to have like treat an animal respectfully Mm -hmm. and like understand that cats and animals and dogs can like give consent and like have their own personal space and damn dog owners you (laughs) make sure you like cats this is excuse me i just burped Mm. really gross this is your sign (laughs) yeah you can be a dog person but if you hate cats red i think that's really fishy it is a huge red flag it is it really is a fun fact did you know Mm. that men with cats in their dating profiles don't do as well as men with dogs what do you think that's about i think that has to do something with like toxic masculinity possibly (laughs) is my best guess i think that like I think that men who love cats might be seen as more, like, effeminate men. Yeah, if that that's makes what sense. I thought, too. Mm-hmm. And not, like, this, like, hyper-masculine person because cats need more, like, quiet love and consent and, like, mm-hmm. care and respect. Whereas dogs are more, like, high-energy, like, let's go for a run. And then, <laughs> you know, like, they're kind of dude. Yeah, they're kind of gym bro energy. <laughs> is what dogs kind of are so i think it might have to do something like that but yeah i was thinking I feel like the guy with similar the cat to that the profile is cats are like okay i don't know in like comics and stuff cats are girls and dogs are boys mm-hmm. so having something that makes you like girly yeah <laughs> in quotes could be seen as less attractive to some women and I also think that there's this is gonna sound weird but i think that there's kind of a stigma around cat ownership yeah. Because if you like cats, you somehow turn into the crazy cat person. That's so... Oh, but if I you know. like dogs, no one bats an eye. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I I'm know, equally right? obsessed with my cats as most people are with their dogs. Uh, yeah, yet somehow seriously. I'm the crazy cat person. Especially, I'm like, walking my cat. I know I know it's a strange thing. <laughs> But, but I don't get cat. why it makes me like a crazy cat person. I'm is something my cat enjoys. Yeah, I'm like treating them well. She loves going outside. She gets mental stimulation. Mm-hmm. She same way as dogs like going outside. Exactly. Cats need exercise like, too. I'm a crazy cat person. I don't know. I don't get it. So I think there is stigma around cat ownership, and maybe men who have cats on their dating profiles get stigmatized a little bit for being like. Mm, I, that's a good point. A crazy cat person, or. Oh. <laughs> And I also feel like cats are generally regarded as, like, the lazy man's pet (laughs) because, like, they do require less maintenance. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is something around that when it comes to, like, dating. Yeah. But that just means that they have more time for you. Exactly. It means (laughs) that they they understand respectful relationships, too. Yeah. And typically, I don't... Young men who own dogs aren't taking proper care of them, from Mm -hmm. what I've seen. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, dogs do require a lot of... love but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't give it to them you know Mm. like you know what you're signing up for and you know Mm. that this animal needs a lot of care so you know don't keep it in the cage for 12 hours of the day (laughs) i think people get the dog for the tinder clout yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is wrong just rent a rent a dog (laughs) yeah go to the dog shelter and take a picture with one put it on your profile bada bing bada boom yeah ready to go you don't need to own an actual dog (laughs) Break the stigma around cats. <laughs> and then kind of my concluding remark. 
is that dogs might be man's best friend, but cats are the soulmate, our human soulmate. Oh, oh my <laughs> god, I love that. That's what I'd like to leave you all with. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. No hate to dog people, but... Yeah, because what would that mean for us? <laughs> If we told you dog people not to hate cat people, what would it mean if we hated cat people? I mean, dog people. Mm. And that's the other thing. Dog people are so aggressively like dog people and anti-cat people. Uh, it's crazy. Whereas most cat people are like, they I prefer cats, but I love everyone. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I still like dogs. I just like prefer yeah. having a cat dogs in my home. I don't know what it still- is. Still spend time with them. Still think they're adorable. Mm-hmm. Still 10 out of 10 would pet. But I feel like <laughs> a lot of dog people are like, cats, ew. They're the worst. I'm like, Interesting. Why do you feel like you need to defend your side so aggressively? No. Yeah. We get it, Chad. Yeah, I get <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> Just chill, bro. Like, no one was trying to fight you. Absolutely no one wants to fight you. <laughs> you have your opinion and we have ours. <laughs> guys and that brings us to the end of the podcast welcome so glad you made it so glad you stuck around thanks for listening to lydia's conspiracy theory Mm -hmm. about how shakespeare might not have actually written anything anything ever he might have been illiterate maybe maybe (laughs) but kind of (laughs) he wrote it wrong yeah yeah a couple times um and my opinion about how cats are actually superior to dogs So you can let us know what you think. Also, bonus points if people send us pictures of their cats. I would very much appreciate that this week. And if you want to do that, you can head over to our Instagram, which is very.unimportant.people. You can email us. Our email is hatersclickhere, which is h-a-t-r-s, clickhere at gmail.com. Twitter, we are vunimportantppl. TikTok, you know the drill. We're there. That's on you. you find us. <laughs> we'll scavenge your hunt for you. <laughs> and that brings us to the end. I hope you have a great. <laughs>